You pour your heart into your business, you give to your clients, and you take care of your family and your community. And you put off taking care of yourself. When you only focus on doing, you bottle up your emotions, which taxes your body and depletes your energy. You struggle to show up, to keep up, and to create results. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. About 10 years ago, I burned out of the only career I thought I'd ever have. I got divorced, and I was crushed with chronic illness and pain. Now I have a business that I love, a husband I can grow with, and my health is on track. Through the power of coaching, I have come to recognize the resilience and power I carry within my soul. You have this resilience and power as well. Welcome to Inflow with Soul, where we create the space for playful restoration. Space to pause, to play, and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inflow with Soul. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, and I'm really happy to have this share this space today with Holly Holland. Holly Rose Holland is a mom to two adult sons. She's an intuitive author, an international speaker, a holistic educator, and grief coach that supports people in expressing themselves through writing, speaking, and other creative forms of expression. She helps them to keep moving. Holly launched her first book, Keep Moving, Creating a Life After Loss, on February 27th, 2021. Whether it's loss or another situation challenging people, it's best to address the issue and give yourself the time you need. It is also equally important to learn how to go on and keep moving. Her grief program, Keep Moving, includes monthly group support. Individual support is also available. Holly, this is such an important topic, especially, I'm going to say especially now, I know that that grief and loss has always been a part of our human experience, but it feels like, and, and maybe that's just my perception, but it feels like um, there's a lot more grief uh, with COVID and, and all of our separations and, and um, all of the, all the things that come along with COVID and, and the impacts that, that it's having on our lives ongoing, the supply chain issues, uh, the, the great resignation, like all of this wrapped up just feels like a bit much right now. So I am very grateful to be sharing this space with you and, and having this conversation today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I agree with you. There is, there's so much to grief. I think uh, prior, we, we always thought of it more as when someone had died. But there is so much more to it. Um, different things. I had even noticed um, the, the whole thing around employment. Mm-hmm. When people lose their job. That, yes. Of course, that's been a really huge one. And yes. it's how you view yourself when that happens as well when you start really examining, uh, like, why did it happen? So that's something I, I always tell people, like, just, like, don't focus on that part. Because a lot of the things, like, say, around COVID, say, are, they were out of our control. Yeah. And, and whether it was in our control or not, that really isn't the issue. It's like, keep moving. I had noticed people were very stuck. That was 
like in general before COVID. And that's the one thing that had me wanting to help others because I thought it was just really sad um, for myself. Uh, my husband ha had passed away. And during the time, I wasn't certain how I was supposed to do the next thing. Right. It's like there isn't a manual. It's sort of like when, when you have a baby and the baby arrives and like, okay, so now uh, this has been happening for years, but how do yeah. I do it? Right. And so that um, when I noticed different steps that would have been helpful for me, like say something like as simple as a will. Lots mm -hmm. of people don't have a will. Yeah. I discovered that while he was sick. So, and then um, around healthcare as well, like um, like insurance, any type of insurance, what you have is going to make a big difference in those different choices that you can make. Absolutely. But, yeah. Like just that really, that part. So although people will have maybe those parts addressed, there's other things like, um, like even like funeral arrangements. Yeah, I I had decided that I knew all along that I was going to write a book at some point. Okay. I didn't know when it was going to happen. And when I had the opportunity to, well, first of all, I had been uh, connecting with a lot of people, on networking online. Okay. And when someone mentioned the opportunity to write a book, and it was in a kind of a special location at a castle. Oh, wow. In Northern Ireland. Beautiful. <laughs> Love Ireland. I had a, a family connection to the, to the area as well. Wonderful. So I, I just had to say yes, because I was viewing people um, stuck. I had been um, having uh, meetings with people about uh, all about grief and loss. And I still found that the majority of people would talk to me and it seemed they were going to be attending meetings, but then they would back off. Okay. And I thought it's just too, like, I mean, sometimes people would come, they had only, it was only maybe a month or so mm. prior that they had had a, the death and their family, or sometimes a lot of times it was even their family coming to talk about, say they were doing a treatment of some sort, say if it was a cancer patient. Right. The family doesn't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I, I just thought it's hard like to be kind of in that, that middle place. So I thought, you know, writing a book, maybe that would um, give people kind of some steps to follow. Mm hmm and when I wrote it, I also included some charts at the back of the book because I thought if if I had known, I just really didn't know what steps to do next. Mm -hmm. There are a few things, you know, I mean, immediately, um, like legal kinds of things, like your your will, say, but then uh, and then the a cancer center or a treatment center is going to give you some guidance. Mm -hmm. But then I just found there were so many things that just weren't connected. 
like, okay, so what do I do next? Do I do next? Like, how much time do we have? That's that was a big thing. We we were told two to three months when the wow. diagnosis came down. So that you know, you you kind of feel like, okay, so what? You know, how quickly do we have to do it, and and which order kind of thing? Yep. And of course, that's going to vary for each person. But I think having a list, yes. Um, and, you know, and and really, there's nothing to say if we have the opportunity. We've got our loved ones right there with us now. There yeah. is nothing wrong with getting ready. Sure. You know, I think we have a. You know, there's this thing about if you get ready, it might mean you're kind of like pushing them out. Right. Yes. I mean, even if you're both, even if everyone is well, you know, right. we just we don't talk enough about death. We have such a fear of it, don't we? We do. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's going to happen. And right. we could go in like completely blindsided or we could, you know, have those things in place. And I, for myself, I found once I had some of those boxes checked off and I'm like, yeah. okay, so now I can relax and I can actually work on those things that I'm excited about doing. Right. And that really matter. I'm I'm thinking about, you know, the that space where you get this notification, right? Or you get this diagnosis or or some you got some bad news. And there is whatever that bad news is, there is enough there that requires your attention that all of these transactional kinds of things just don't seem as important at the time. Or it's hard to muster up the energy, pull it out of dealing with this bad news and, and dealing with transactional kinds of things that would definitely make it easier. But in that moment, when everything's fallen down, that doesn't, that seems like the worst time to call an attorney and say, help me with an, with a will. <laughs> might, it might be the best time if you hadn't done it up until then. But if you can have that done ahead of time, it certainly makes that time when you are dealing with the shock more manageable, I think. Yes. Yes. And, and also even like people might even have the will, but uh, it's quite common for us not to update them very often. Oh, sure. Again, we don't want to think about this, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I definitely want to get more into your book and into the group programs that you are offering. Um, but before we do that, I want to get to know a little bit more about you as, as an entrepreneur, as the businesswoman. We now know a little bit uh, about your business and, and what you're passionate about. But I also want to hear a little bit about your story in terms of how you solve this problem. You, you had this experience yourself, and now you've converted that into a business. Tell me a little bit about that process. You know, it initially had started with um, a health issue of my own. I had, like, we had the, the, the loss. We had the loss of my husband. And then I was going through the various uh, stages of grief. And then I just had I got this really bad cough and so I needed to figure out something I was was working at a regular uh, job and I just was coughing so much I just could not stop so I went through all the medical um, testing couldn't find any reason for it happening and eventually I found what was my 
um, step into business was um, sharing essential oils. Okay. Yeah, educating about those. And once I got involved in that, that's how I I started connecting with people and, and doing the Zoom calls. And that's actually how I found the uh, step into writing the book. Interesting. So you started out selling essential oils because it was something that was helping you, again, through another one of your challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the networking that you were engaging in brought you to your next opportunity. Mm-hmm. I yes. love that. You know, like every step has been, you know, it when you need it, it there it is. Like it's just been very um it's so eye-opening. Like even the the book writing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I was going to learn so much about myself. Interesting. You know, really the 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 idea that I had was I I really want to write a book and I think that this is the one that will help the most people Mm -hmm. never suspecting that I was going to be the first one. Yeah. Okay. So your writing keep moving after the, your husband passed, correct? Yes. Okay. And so you're wanting to use this book as a way again, to help others get some organization, help prepare for and deal with what's coming. Yes. Okay. What is it then, maybe, I, I'm curious about what are some things that you learned about yourself along the way? Well, a lot of things through life I hadn't just acknowledged that I was, like, one of the biggest things is intuition. Okay. I always would get those inner thoughts, but I just, you know, I sometimes I paid attention, sometimes I didn't. And that's what I totally know now is, you know, like you get that feeling like as time goes on, like I get them like even just it's so clear now. I ignored them so often. Yeah. You know, some you just get the like, say you were going to if it was if you're going to take a certain job or if you're going to move or a house or whatever it was, anything or even just a purchase. You know, you just get that kind of like, yes or no. Right. And if you just listen to that, that uh, that would have really helped me along the way. Mm-hmm. Other things that I learned about myself, um, even just um, like how much I, like one is, I guess, how much I really enjoy people. Oh, you know, I've always been very social, okay. but I think I didn't, um, I'm analytical, but I hadn't really thought so much about um, it, why this is coming up so much right now is uh, through this year, there's been some pretty major changes just within my, my uh, family unit. So one of my sons, um, he did live in town the same town as me he's only moved 15 minutes away but you know it it's just it's the first time that none of us aren't living in town okay then um the other one uh went to do a distance job and you know was gone for like um two solid weeks just Mm. over two weeks and we actually didn't know if they were going to get home for christmas oh wow so 
you know, those uh, like some really big things. And I've always just had them around here. And that has Mm -hmm. been a help for me. Like if you do have kids, whether they're, I mean, it was harder for the kids because they were young, Mm -hmm. but it was easier for me because then I didn't have to, you know, I, because then I did have to do certain things. Like I couldn't just stay in bed. Right. Um, They had to go to school. So I, you know, sometimes I've had people say to me, well, you know, I just, if they don't have the small children, or even if they don't have some work, or maybe a hobby that they really enjoy, well, Mm -hmm. I can just, I just stay in bed. Right. Well, I really couldn't do that. You know, they, they were, my kids were nine and 13 when their father died. So, I mean, very impressionable, very um, involved in sports, needing to go to school, of course, all those kinds of things. Yeah. So there has been a lot of changes over the years of just with them growing up. Oh, sure. And doing this as a single parent Mm -hmm. and not a single parent by choice. Right. I have a cousin who um, lost her husband to uh, pancreatic cancer as well. And I'm, I'm blanking on the terms she's using. It's not about being a single parent. It's being like an alone parent, mm-hmm. um, I think, is the phrase that she uses. And um, it's compounding, I think, the grief. Right. So you're dealing with your own grief. And, and now um, you're doing all of this by yourself. And. That wasn't the plan. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. Okay. So you start your business with uh, essential oils. You have this opportunity to write your book. Um, and you've learned a lot about yourself along the way in doing that. So how would you describe maybe some changes as you got to know yourself? Who are How are you different now than you were before you were starting your essential oils? You know, I am so comfortable as a writer. Okay. That's one of the things that's really huge. Like, as soon as I started meeting different authors, I I realized, like, this is absolutely my people. Wow. It, it's my community. I, I just, um, just even just starting to, you know, just even talking about it. Like I just get such a warm, like just such a warm feeling in the heart. Like it's just like at home. It's funny how, like I've met people from all around the world. It's, it's been just amazing. And yeah, I just feel such, such energy. Like I, it just feels good. Like in the past I would do whatever kind of a job was either close to me, Mm -hmm. uh, Kind of like out of, I would say out of convenience for other reasons other than myself. Yes. They, you know, whether they paid more, um, they had better hours. Um, Like I say, closer to home was was a big one. And um, actually a lot, like even just being close to things so that I could do whatever the kids needed. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that was, of course, that was the very most important thing when I first looked for, and it was, it was, um, it was really accommodating is another big thing. So a lot of work 
you know, you, you don't have that flexibility. So that, I mean, and that was all great, but being an author, it can be very flexible. Also, I just, right. you know, I just didn't consider it. And, you know, I guess I, I've always enjoyed a lot of things and people have always said, oh, you're not supposed to be doing this, that, and all that. You're supposed to, you know, focus, do one thing. Well, yes, yes. That doesn't work for me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And what I, I so appreciate you sharing this part of your story because I think there are so many of us who um, still live by those shoulds, right? Um, and yes, you, you had to make some decisions about employment and, and income that maybe didn't align as closely with your purpose as it is now, but you had to do what you had to do to get to where you are now. And I think this is what I I really find very fascinating about you is that as an entrepreneur, you you said you have this warmness in your heart. I feel that from you in, in that there's an absence of the frenetic kind of energy that a lot of entrepreneurs have because we're, we're trying to make things happen. Uh, within our business. And what I hear in your story and, and the heart warmth kind of confirms this for me is that you're just in alignment with who you really are. You, the, you're aware of the universe and what the universe is, is offering you and saying, yes, I'm going to say yes to this. I'm going to say no to that, but I'm going to say yes to this and see where that takes me next. Mm-hmm. There's such a calm, calmness about you. Oh, thank you. Yes, I, you know, I just, I really feel that I'm just where I'm supposed to be now. I love it. So is there anything that you would say to an entrepreneur that might still be in that frenetic space? You know, really, I, I feel listening to your intuition is the biggest thing. And like for some people, I, I mean, sometimes people are, you know, whoever is the higher power, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's God, source, um, however you describe that, doesn't matter. It's like a lot of it is really just inside and you just hear it. And I believe that we all have uh, the intuition. Agreed. A lot of times we don't listen to it, though. Right. Yeah. It's like that little, even just that little voice, if you describe it as that little voice. Um, yes. And yeah. just, it's going to tell you, you know, you, you just, if you're quiet, like one thing that I added that I, sh- I really should mention is um, I started meditating after uh, my husband had died. I actually, I think I had heard about it, but I, it seemed like such a mystery to me. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how, like, how does one do that? And how would you know if you were meditating? <laughs> Some right. Of these kind of things. You yeah. know, they're just kind of basic things. But really, I, I think people do uh, question that. And Absolutely. I, like the quiet. I think that's a lot of times how I actually got into meditating was through yoga. Okay. And I would go to a class and, of course, everyone would turn their phone off. Really key because, of course, those phones, we know they go off at the time we we least want them to, right? And when I would 
go to that class, I would just the way that the instructor would talk so calmly and then just, you know, really leave everything else and just give yourself this hour. Mm -hmm. And I found that I could really like I'm I can be very distracted, but Mm -hmm. I found that when I was there, yeah, I would do that. I would totally give myself the hour and I would get so relaxed. It was common for me to fall asleep. Okay. Wow. That is relaxed. Yeah. Like I could even fall asleep during a pose. Like one time. (laughs) 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 I wasn't completely laying down either. And the instructor had said to me one time, she said something about, oh, I noticed you were, you know, you were falling, you fell asleep. I said, oh, I was falling asleep a a few times. And when else were you asleep? (laughs) (laughs) Sleeping in yoga class. (laughs) But, you know, at one point when I was really busy and going to yoga classes a lot, several times a week, I would actually look forward to the Shavasana. Mm -hmm. And if you're not a yoga person, the very last five minutes of an hour the most relaxing part sometimes I would be going to the class simply for that five minutes because I knew I could get in I I could relax at such a deep level that it would actually energize me so much I mean I I hesitated about going to the candlelight ones because I get so much energy I'm like okay so I'm home now. How am I supposed to sleep? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you were sleeping in class. <laughs> but only for the five, usually only the five minutes, right? Unless yeah, I was extremely yeah. tired. And it, But I just found you're so refreshed and you just had that new perspective. And then once I moved on, like, I mean, kept doing yoga, but one, the ne- kind of the next step for me, someone had mentioned meditating. And they said, you know, it's very much like they described it, very similar to the way the yoga instructor did. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to try that. And so now I often will even do it while I'm walking. I'll just, Mm. I like to go for a walk every day. Mm -hmm. And I'll just focus, if I'm going to meditate while I'm walking, I'll just focus on something in nature. And that's that's your the your focal point, so that your mind doesn't run off into uh, many directions. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Lovely. And I just find that really, you know, if people are wondering what is like just one really, it, it might not seem simple, but there's lots of meditation apps as well that you can use, right. and even if it's like a sound, like I I love the ocean, so like mm-hmm. I'll often put on the sound of the ocean. So that the thing about the meditating, I find that it can help you through a lot of things, especially it's something that you're not sure what to do next. If I didn't know how to sleep, if I it, it just was mind too busy or overtired or something like that, I just put on a meditation, put on a favorite one. Mm-hmm. And also the same one I would use like in the morning, just like to, to get going for the day, whatever it was that you sort of needed, it seemed like meditation would sort of fill that. And then once you had that kind of like, you know, I, I find it kind of gives you that clean slate Yeah. and you're like, okay, now I can, now I can attack whatever is coming for the day. 
I love that. And, and I, I love how you're using um, meditation to, to quiet the noise. Because I'm, I'm thinking that in that experience of grief in particular, since that's what we're talking about today, right, what the, the rug's been pulled out from under us. And we're scrambling to redefine who we are now after this loss, whatever that loss is. And in the process of redefining, there's a lot of inner chatter that goes on, you know, inner chatter about what was or what could have been or what should have been and, and what is and the contrast between those two. And even aside from that experience, there's just a lot of noise. And I, and I would agree with you that when we can create that space for ourselves where it's quiet, and, and, and when I'm meditating, that's just my only objective is really just to quiet myself, my body, my mind. Um, there's something about space in particular that just feels so comforting when you have no else like, uh, other idea about what I'm going to do next, right? As you were saying. Yeah. Because all the answers are inside of us. They're not outside of us. And it's not that we have to manufacture the answers. They're, they're just there if we can be quiet enough to hear them. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes to your intuition as well. Mm-hmm. Right, we have to be quiet enough so that we can hear that intuition and then learn to trust it uh, by following it and trying it out and and testing it, uh, so that we build that sense of trust within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. And and that's another thing I hear about you when you when you talk about that intuition. It's not just that you hear it and and, but it's that you trust it. Yes, yes, and that does that can really take some time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's hard for ourselves sometimes to learn how to trust ourselves because we've gotten so many messages from when we were, you know, knee high to current times that that says, you know, you didn't do this well enough or whatever, like all of our failings or failures or whatever seem to pop up for us. But if we can just let that noise go off to the side and come back to who we are, all of those failures suddenly don't seem or feel like failures. They seem like learning opportunities. Exactly. Yes. Like how we view these things just, yeah. And I I like how um, you hear people say, like, you can either be, you can tell yourself, you can either be, uh, if you want something to not have been a good outcome, you can tell yourself that, or or it can be a good outcome at the same time. Uh, Whatever that story is that you're going to tell yourself. Exactly. Yeah, it, our experiences really are rooted in those stories that we're telling ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm reminding myself just to tell myself a better story. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. All right. So let's talk more uh, specifically about the, your book and the kind of direction and guidance that you offer in your book. Because again, I think that this whole grief experience, uh, rugs been pulled out from under us. Sometimes we don't know what's up and down. Uh, in that moment. So tell us a little bit about how you help people move from that space into a space where they're able to move forward. So um, I do uh, a lot of posting on social media so that I do um, kind of detail some of the different things that may come up for you. So that's, that's one place that people can uh, follow along. Mm -hmm. As well, I do have a um, as I mentioned, a set of, of charts. So I would recommend, yeah. you know, filling those charts in. Mm-hmm. And like they have things, even one idea is 
um, your bucket list. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, what I know about my husband and I, we didn't necessarily get started on things. Um, You know, I think it's common for us to wait for something. Like you're waiting for a better time to do it. Uh, More money. Um, one that people I find say a lot is they they didn't start because they didn't think they could get it finished. Well, yes, you know, really just start. Right. Because when you get to that, if, if you happen to be that person that hasn't done that and you get to the, the terminal diagnosis, then how much time do you have to do those things? So the time to get started on them is now. <laughs> doesn't matter what's going on in your life right so that's what I you know and once those things once you cover off those those kind of things that are included like I had mentioned like funeral arrangements things like that like when those are already done it just removes a lot of the the stress from the other person and I like one thing that I talk about in the book is I recommend that people do the same things like, as I have mentioned, like, even if it's, even if you're well, um, all of you are well, like, just get that stuff done. Because the thing is, you know, we could have a a car accident, or we could have, or we could come down with something very suddenly, as, as we know, we, we hear about that so, so much right now. So really, I think that, that there's something in being about being prepared, that just kind of gives you uh, peace of mind. Sure. And really, that's it. Like, there's so many different things that you can do, so many different um, ways to look at, at, like, even a diagnosis. Like, one of the first things we did was check on, um, is there any special research projects that you can do? And, right. like, say in something like cancer, there's all kinds of projects. But look right. for them. You know, it, it, it happened. We found one before it was offered to my husband. And oh. I mean, it was like the day before we, we found it on, on the web and it was actually something that was worldwide, but, mm-hmm. you know, doing things like that, even it, it just, you gives you more of a, a sense of control of where you're going. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Yeah, because again, those the the rug pulling out like that is, I think, the definition of being out of control. Mm-hmm. Because everything's upside down. <laughs> and you know, I have to just mention that you, because uh, that is something that expression is something that comes up in my life all the time. Rug being pulled out. You really? know, I just think it really describes things so well. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so shocking when, when you have those kinds of experiences of loss. Um, even if you have some idea like this, this could be happening or this could, this could be, uh, what my experience is when it actually happens, there's still a shock to it. Mm-hmm. Yes. It doesn't matter. Like, it, because the thing is, I, I think we always are wondering when. Yes. You know, you still don't know. And even if if you've been warned something is coming. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like it could have been, I could have been the one that died first. I could have been killed sure. on 
in a, in a car accident on the way home from, you know, yeah. so sometimes I think we will get so focused on that really ill person. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, Oh, you know, we don't think about everyone else is in this, in this uh, uh, uncertainty kind of as well. So just in preparing a few of those steps, just um, you can get some peace of mind. And okay. then like once a month, I have a, a, a group that will get together and, you know, sometimes it just depends. It can be, there can be a lot of people. There can be just a few people. Also um, individual is always available too. Mm-hmm. I just find um, people have been having an easier time of uh, gathering or uh, working through in some way, um, in some creative way. It, it turns out that a lot of people are writing. And, and it doesn't matter what the subject is, just the fact mm-hmm. of writing. And I get that same sense in myself. It doesn't matter what I'm writing about. It could be writing about the most fun topic, but I will still get emotion from it. Mm-hmm. And so it's sometimes... I find if people are just writing the words down, mm-hmm. it's like once you put it on the page, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. The page will, right? Isn't that true? I love putting what whatever's in my head, just putting it down on paper. Yeah. Because my head, there's there's that part of me, my, that little voice in my head that says, I have to keep repeating this to myself over and over and over again so I don't forget it or something to that effect. Uh-huh. Um, and when I can write it down, then that says, oh, okay, you got this, and now we can let that go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a big, I, I find that's a really big part of it. And, and something about when you're writing the words or, uh, I mean, sometimes people, like, how, oh, they choose to do something on their own, um, mm-hmm. like uh, separate, like they might, you know, like take some ideas and then go and do some of the parts off on the, by themselves. Like even speaking the words sometimes even, I mean, that can even be a help for an author is to, to speak your words into a right order. I actually hand wrote my first book. No kidding. <laughs> I actually really like writing. I do too. Yeah, I just, and and the thing is, and actually I like writing, but I really love calligraphy. Mm, And like uh, like a fluid, like a fountain pen, like the flow of the words with a pen like that. Oh, just amazing. (laughs) It's like, it just helps the words come out, you know? Yes. But it was a little bit, uh, like it was a project then to get it all into sure I <laughs> bet it was so then I read it in okay and so but for some people they might just maybe they're not um someone that wants to um be in a group and talk out loud but mm-hmm. sometimes people will do will prepare something in writing you know and then they'll yes. share that with the group and there's, of course, there's nothing, or they can just keep it to themselves. Sometimes they'll just say, you know what, this um, particular subject I found really helped me get through a certain part. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, sharing of any kind that way, like always makes you feel like you're, like you're not odd. You're, you're not yes. alone. Everyone has these, these uh, feelings just at different times and different intensity. Absolutely. In fact, uh, there is some research and I'm not going to be able to, you know, quote who did this research, but I know that it was around um, looking at using writing as a way to process trauma. And in particular, I remember in this book, they were talking about um, doing studies with 9-11 survivors and the survivors who did talk therapy. And then they had survivors who just did writing therapy. I'm summarizing this, but the individuals who did the writing therapy fared better than the ones who did the talk therapy. Okay. So I think there, that, that to me, what that says is that there is something powerful again about getting these ideas out of our head onto paper where that part of us that says, okay, you've acknowledged this now. <laughs> we can stop replaying this over and over and over again because you've got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. I, I think it also like with the writing, because you can, you can look back at it too. You, you can. Know? Yeah. Like sometimes I, like lots of times I'll have written something and I'll look back. I'm like, it, sometimes you're going like, I wrote that, you know, sometimes you don't even know what's inside until you get that, that flow started. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's one. I, I did not anticipate com- talking about writing today, but it, it, the way you're describing it makes it sound, it, not just sound, but it, you're really highlighting how powerful that is as an activity to help us process, uh, in this case, grief and trauma. So as we're talking about this, one of the things that's coming up for me is that, you know, I'm hearing you say, here's all the preparation kinds of things that you can do. You know, put your Stop saying someday and start saying today's the day that I'm going to do something new or whatever's on your bucket list, right? Right. And then we get to that experience where there is the trauma. And in the title of your book, Keep Moving, I think really speaks to the the concern that I have is that when there's a trauma, we we do withdraw to to protect ourselves, right? That we're we're feeling ungrounded. We're, our world is upside down. We, we kind of have to withdraw and, and regroup mm-hmm. so we can kind of get our feet back on the ground before we come out. And I think that there's always these wonderments about, well, how soon do I need to come out of my little withdrawal cocoon? You know, get how, how soon do I need to get out of bed mm-hmm. um, versus how long can I stay in bed? Is this making sense? Yes. You know... Yeah, it's a tough question. It, yeah, it is, and and it depends really so much on the person. Um, like as far as I'm concerned, the very first year going through all of those firsts, firsts that I found was the hardest for for all three of us. However some of those firsts don't come actually in that first year either. Like one example, going to a wedding. Yeah. Like I love weddings, but I haven't got to the part where I feel really good at a wedding yet. Mm -hmm. It's just so emotional. You know, um, I mean, those words till death do you part 
I mean, they, yes, of course you hear them, but right. do they have that same kind of meaning? Nope. Yeah. Not until that, not until your other half um, has left. Does it really, yeah. all of a sudden you're like, oh, the, the ne- like the next time you're at a <laughs> wedding, you're like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. And, you know, I remember, I mean, I do really remember those words at my wedding, but I certainly didn't put the same, um, I just didn't know how to perceive it. It's like, like uncharted waters again, right? Right, right. Yeah. But weddings, uh, we didn't actually have the first one that we could attend in person. Um, We didn't have one for seven years. Mm. so it was still really hard and and they still are hard I've only been to a few weddings and so I think it's important to recognize that those things are going to come up like kind of they just come up different you never know what's going to come up way down the road and I like I know that people I used to always see people saying keep moving forward one of the biggest things that I found about grief is that you don't always move forward. I thought it was kind of like, you know, you have a cut on your finger and it gets a little bit better and a little better, a little better. So I think right, it right. would be the same. Isn't that, you know, isn't there lots of things like something's worse and it just gets better. Yeah. But I was surprised that sometimes you'd go, I, I kind of would compare it to waves. You know, you'd a couple of, you know, a couple of waves ahead oh, yeah, it's not too bad. Things are are moving along. And then something really uh, traumatic would would hit you and you'd be back. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe four steps ahead the next time. But sometimes I found I would be back farther than where I started in the first place. So So what are you telling yourself then? (laughs) You know, just um, the thing that really took me through the whole thing was just focusing on one or two days. Okay. Really, you know, like that's that the one day at a time cliche, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but really so true. That's really what, um, like, I remember clearly having a conversation with someone when my husband was having one of his tests. And there was another wife waiting for her husband. And I just remember um, being surprised that she was asking me so many questions. She was a lot older than me. So even, you know, old way of thinking, well, she's older. She must know. She must know way more about this than I do. Yeah. I'm surprised she's asking me. I'm actually not, you know, I'm, I'm not even used to this yet, you know. Right. And she said, how do you think we are going to manage after? Mm. And I mean, I didn't even, we hadn't even exchanged our situation about our husband. You just knew. And they're having the same test. That's the only kind of test in that area. And I said, you know, I really think it's the same as how we, how, how I'm going to do it is the same as I'm doing it now. Just focusing on today and maybe a little bit of tomorrow. Okay. Like for me, I would look, I'd be wondering where do my kids need to be today mm-hmm. and tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And how are we going to get them there? 
So I was lucky I had my parents helping us and they actually stayed with us a, a good part of the illness. Okay. And my husband actually is the one that invited them to, he kept, mm-hmm. um, he just kept phoning them. My mom would say, whenever you need us, give us a call. Well, that was most of the time. And of course, she was, she's an amazing cook. And okay. my dad would look after any of the errands and, of course, drive the kids. They both would yeah. drive the kids. Sure, and they sure. were in hockey and they're in two different, they're on different teams. So, of course, <laughs> yeah, three years apart. So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, not never in this on the same team. No. So that was really helpful, just having that. And then that's all I focused on. You know, I stayed up really late. A lot of times I'd be like sitting there, I'd be on the couch, um, getting the pills into the planner because there were so many pills. I I had, there was like, um, the minimum was, or well, no, not the minimum. I, the common amount was 14. Wow. So, you know, I mean you just had to have them in and all the different times. And of course I'm trying to see if like, when do we need to order more? Although the pharmacist was good about, they would even phone me, see if we need something different or another, you know, another dosage because it, there's that part, there's a lot to manage in that. Yeah. And, you know, just very little sleep. And, but I think, you know, I would go to bed exhausted and that would um, kind of prevent me from doing so much of the, the thinking. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Just drop right into sleep then. Yeah. So I'm hearing a couple of things that might be helpful to someone who's in this experience right now. One is give yourself that permission to withdraw if that's what you need to do. Yeah. And, and you know, one or two days, let's just focus on those two. And I think that as we do that, then I'm assuming that as we feel better, we can stretch that out to now maybe three days or a week or whatever. And then the wave's going to hit us again, right? It's going to come, it's going to come back. It, it, so this isn't something, what I'm hearing, and I want to check with you is like, I'm never over this. Right. I'm never done grieving. The loss. Yes. So this is an important topic. <laughs> and I, this is real, right? The grief is real. It is. Yeah. It, it is. comes up. Yeah. And so I want to, I want to kind of wrap, go to that, right? So give yourself permission. Um, give yourself that quiet space so you can really hear yourself and let go of that noise. Um, and have support around you. I think that's. The biggest thing that I see is having people that, if you start crying, it's okay. Yes. They're not, they're not, they're not going to come, oh, what's wrong? And let's fix this and whatever. It's just, it's okay. Yes. It's okay. Um, so that's kind of my, my next question then. And, and I, I know we're kind of coming up on time here, but I don't want to leave without this kind of part of the conversation. And that is how do we support someone who is in that grieving process? So many times I hear, well, I don't know what to say. There isn't anything to say. So how do we support those people that we know in our lives that are experiencing grief? One way is to be exactly the same as you've always been. Okay. So just be there. Um, just be present. 
don't feel that you have to say something. That is the, I think people, um, the easiest I found was to, to see people right away. If like, if I saw someone in the grocery store, I wanted to talk to them. Now, sometimes people would, would not want to talk to me. They duck down the aisles, you know, um, things like that. The best thing and the earlier, the better, because you're, you're so much more vulnerable at the beginning. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to say, I don't want to leave you with the impression that it never gets better at all. Like you always have the grief, but absolutely. I mean, I have a very happy, amazing life. I'm very, I'm excited about everything. Like I think when you get um, involved so close to something like this, you, you really appreciate things that are like the tiny things. Like I love nature. Like there's lots of things I didn't notice before. Like how many mm. cloud formations did I miss in my lifetime? Yeah. You know, like, I love that question. <laughs> oh, I love sunsets. You know, like I'm, that's one thing I'm very known for. If I'm anywhere, I mean, I don't seem to catch the sunrises as much. And it's weird because I'm an early riser and I stay up okay. too. Oh, <laughs> um, but it sunsets, especially, but I, anytime I'm walking, wow, that's amazing. Like, look at those clouds. So, you know, just, you really appreciate those things. And really there's, there's so many different things that we can do. I don't believe that when people leave earth, now, whatever, whether it's religion or spirit or whatever your beliefs are, I still believe that we have the opportunity to be with those people later in another life. So I don't worry about that. Um, I, there's, there's so many different ways of addressing that and that can really go into a whole different topic, of course, but it just, it, I don't feel alone. Um, As time goes on, I feel more, um, I, I feel less alone with my husband. So that's important. And there's always um, like, there's other people that are in a very much of a a similar space as when you have uh, pictures and maybe recordings of their voice or uh, messages from them, like text messages. That's a big thing now. I mean, at one point you never had a message from somebody that had died. Like, I remember who the first person was, you know, and you look and you're like, that, this is the last message they sent me, this kind of stuff, like those kind of things, those initially, those are hard, but later you cherish them. You know, and when I share photos, like I've had to tell people in my, in my audience, like, I'm not super sad if I share a, um, a a picture. Sometimes people say, Oh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, and I mean, I appreciate that, but I want them to know it's not that I am super sad. It's just that I'm remembering them. And when others remember them, it makes me feel good too. Like it was a good relation, you know, it was a good, I mean, honestly, it was a rocky relationship. We had to fall in love again, but it is 
uh, there's lots of good things about the relationship. So, you know, I mean, all those things, the, the good, you'll remember, the good things will comfort you in time. Definitely. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, oh, you're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. This is absolutely beautiful. So before we close, tell people, the listeners here, how they can find you. Okay. Um, I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. And I have as, your, as Holly Rose Holland, is that how they find you? You know, um, the my website is is hollyroseholland.com so they can okay. go there and Great. i i have because i do have you know how the social media there are that was a surprise for me how many different people yeah. there are with our same name so yeah. not all the handles are exactly the same so uh yeah. Like so I'm, find you at hollyroseholland.com and yeah. then you'll have all your social media links on there. Yes. And for those of you who are listening on YouTube, you have this great QR code mm-hmm. um, that you can just scan. And where's that going to take them? Yes. If, if people scan that um, code, and I, I had meant to mention that, so thank you. Um, that will take them to, to all the, it'll take them to my virtual business card, which is great. quite amazing at this point in time um it's really good it keeps the track of all your links as well of course it's contactless sure. and it's nice because it's an easy way to update anything that's happening exactly very simply and yes yeah, so either of those methods work really well beautiful beautiful so for those of you who know people who are grieving or if you're grieving yourself Look up Holly and follow her on, on these social media platforms. Uh, sounds like she, you're putting out a lot of content that is information that can help people through this process. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes, but most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.